Hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, what the hell? What was that? Hello, everybody. It's been a minute. Good to see y'all again. How you doing? I'm doing fine myself. We hit a milestone the other day. March 3rd was the day of our very first episode. The very first. The beginning. It was the beginning a year ago. So it was the one year anniversary of our first episode. So March 3rd was one year. One year I've been doing this. And uh, well, if you've been listening to this for a year, I suggest you seek help immediately. I suggest you seek psych psychiatric evaluation or go to therapy or do some meditation or something or another because I don't know what's wrong with you listen to me for a year you probably have brain damage or something but uh yeah I don't know I don't know what the adverse effects of listening to me go on and on and on and on for hours and hours and hours on end I mean that must take a toll so I suggest you go get an evaluation of some kind and uh you know, but, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you to everybody who listens, you know, whether you've been here since day one, you know, or whether you just coming along and wondering what the hell is this guy talking about? Who is this guy? He's crazy. He's nutso. But or whether you just started listening, whether you picked it up along the way, you listened to some, didn't li- listen to the others, you know, if you're listening to this right now, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you very much. I want to say let's let's do some more. Let's keep this thing going, baby. Tell your friends. Manoli's music, a hit success. You know, I take a little offense. Uh, you know, doing the about a year ago on the show, I talked about how the the Charleston City Paper they do the best of. You know, they have these best of awards. You know, and it's it's all kinds of things. They got best. You know. Best Bloody Mary, which I say is none of them, because I think they're what a disgusting drink. I say in quotation marks, drink. Who wants to drink a bunch of tomato juice? Sounds like acid reflux. Hell, um, I say as if everyone has acid reflux, but somebody, you know, I I am sensitive to these things. Um, what other categories do they have? They have some nonsense things. It's like, it's like best. Uh, Best lawyer. It's like, what, did you try out every lawyer before you voted on this poll? Best strip club, which I don't know who's voting in that, admitting, you know, that you've participated, but that's a that's an option there as well. And um, they have all kinds of things. Best local Instagram page, I say, ah, who cares? And best influencer, another thing is just nonsense to me. But, you know, I was a little miffed. They had best local uh, podcast, and this wasn't nominated. They had best... Uh, best Charlestonian, and I, I have to say, I think I should have been nominated. You know, I'm very humble, as you can see. I'm very humble. I think it should at least have been, I should at least have been on the ballot. I even recognize two, three of the other people, and then one of them's Bill Murray. You know he's going to win. So, anyway, what, what am I talking about here? But yeah, it's the best of awards again. I get nominated for nothing. I should have been nominated for best you know, blonde, Greek-American, bass, opera, singer, podcasting, suit-selling guy. Yeah, that's what I should have been nominated for. And I, I guarantee you, if I was nominated, some some person out of, the, out of left field would have come in and won the award from me. Some other wackadoo that does the things that I do that's utterly insane will come and sweep away the award from me. And that's how these things go. 
it's like uh it's like the honeymooners with the the man from space and then ed norton shows up in his his, his uh sewer uniform and he steals the prize from ralph that's what that's what it is i'm like charlie brown over here the football's right there and then what's her name what is it is that lucy she just she steals it away and i fall right on my ass but that's okay. We're not doing that no more. We're just going to go on this podcast and we're going to, it's a success people, because as long as one person listens to this, I'm happy. That person, you know, they may, they may have nothing else to listen to. It might be a punishment for them, but if one person's listening, that's what we're happy about. So Charlie Brown is kicking the football here. Manoli is, is back. He's back. And he's going to talk to you. And we're going to talk about some things. I recently took a visit to a, our nation's capital, yes, the old District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. Yes, yes, indeed. And I had a little uh, mini reunion there with some college friends of mine. We uh, went up there. We had some fun. Uh, one of my former guests on this show, Alec Esteban, he was there. Uh, saw him. I saw him and his girlfriend, Sarah. I saw my friend, Laura Schuler. She's working up there. And... Uh, my other friend, Courtney Lubachewski, she was up there as well. You know, I they want me to shout them out. And I, you know, they this is required by law. They made me made sure that I gave them a shout out. So there's your shout out. There you go. Who else was there? A bunch of other people were filtering in and out. But anywho, um, yeah, so I went to the Washington, D.C. I hadn't been there since I was in fifth grade. I was 10 years old and I went my... Uh, Lower school principal, Miss Riggs, great lady. She nominated me to go to some leadership, young leaders of America and at DC. And I don't know why they, I got nominated, but you know, I, I guess she thought she saw something in me. So I went up there and I thought it was thought it was good. But I mean that's I was it's like I don't know, it's almost fifteen years ago now. I don't remember much about the city, but so it was good to be back. First time back in a while. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to set the stage here. I got up early, early on a Friday, and I went to the airport. And my flight was, uh, I think it was, I think it left at 8. So I was there. The airport's just a circus, man. You got people there. You got people. They might as well have just rolled out of bed. I saw people in full pajamas. I mean, you don't know what you're going to see. I mean, where can we strike a happy medium from the pictures I see from the 70s when people were wearing suits and having cigarettes on the airplane to, you know, not looking like this is, uh, you know, you just rolled out of bed to go on the plane. You got your hair is all disheveled and you got, you know, I see too much on these airplanes is all I'm going to say. I see too much. And we're going to get to that because I have a specific example on the return flight, but getting ahead of myself here, but. You know, just a happy medium would be nice. Why don't you wear some jeans and... <laughs> oh, man. It's like, yeah, just, just you know... That, that, just, you know, a, l- a little thought would be nice. But, you know, it's just people... People are too comfortable nowadays. It's like... It's like, yeah, I, I see too much of you people. I, I really... I don't need to... I don't need to know and see everything about you, but... I digress. So yeah, I go on the airplane and I, I was connecting through Atlanta to go to DC, which you might think, well, why does it make much sense? Well, they had a direct flight, but I could either get there at like six in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. So I didn't really want to do either of those. So I say, well, I'll get there at 11 
in the morning and then I'll just connect and I I didn't care. It it really wasn't that big a difference time-wise. So yeah, so I uh I get on the plane. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a 45-minute flight to Atlanta. It'll be nice. I'll just take a little nap or something. I put on the, the TV. I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I'm a great fan of. As I, I reference the show all the time on this, and maybe you catch catch on to it if you've seen Curb. But anyway, so I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, the accidental text on purpose, which is one of my, one of my favorite episodes. I think it's one of the best for sure. And the plane's taken off, and I say, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll watch this for a little bit. I'll probably doze off or whatever. It'll be, you know, 40, 45-minute flight. What could go wrong? It was 45 minutes from hell. It was horrible. The plane was shaking and dropping and tilting. And, I mean, I mean, God bless the pilot. I mean, really, I I, I understand. I, I know they wouldn't have flown. There was some system of some kind, some band or something. You know, there's always a band. A band of storms and rain and wind and whatever it is. And I know that we wouldn't have flown if it wasn't safe, but I tell you what, there wasn't much sleeping on that plane, but I sure was praying. I tell you that much, but oh man, it was awful. I was trying to distract myself for the, the curve. I mean, it was just, it, it was, it was not fun. It was the worst turbulence I've ever experienced on a flight. Um, when we landed, you know, I always like to talk to strangers just because I, I, you know, I'm not trying to impress. I'm not trying to impress them. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care what they think about me because I'm not going to see them again for the rest of my life. So, guy across the aisle from me was a flight attendant. I enjoy talking to strangers. You know, they have little nuggets of knowledge and information that I think are helpful. Plus, it's nice. You know, you have a little conversation with someone. It's like, all right, goodbye. Have a nice life. But the guy across the aisle from me, he was a flight attendant. I guess he wasn't working because he was just sitting there. He was he was next to me. I guess he was going to his next job or going home or something. So I, I turned to him and I says, uh, says, hey, scale of one to ten, you know, how, how bad was that? He goes, well, that's the worst I've ever experienced. I give it an eight. I said, really, an eight? He said, yeah, that was the worst. He said, eight, eight pushing nine. I said, really? He's like, yeah, that was awful. And he called himself. He's like. Oh, but the pilot, you know, he did he did the best that he could. He did a great job. I'm like, oh, absolutely. I have nothing against the pilot. It's not his fault that it's, you know, you know, I don't know, the 10 plagues of Egypt out there. It's just, uh, you know, it's not his fault. I'd say, yeah, but that was rough, man. I, <laughs> that's the worst I've experienced, too. And I was thinking in the back of my head, it's like, well, that's the worst, you know. Maybe I'm in the clear here, you know. Maybe that'll be the worst for the rest of my life. I sure hope so. And then the guy next to me, he kept trying to cover his tracks. He's like, yeah, but the pilot, you know, it, it was not not their fault. I was like, I understand it's not their fault. And it's, you know, the weather is not controlled by the pilot. The pilot did a great job. I'm not complaining about the pilot. It doesn't mean it was a particularly pleasant flight. But I digress. He, the, the guy, I think he got nervous because he started to complain and he called himself. He's like, oh, but the pilot. I'm like, yeah, the, I mean, God bless the pilot. He did the best that he could with what he had. I'm not a Karen or whatever you want to call it. Oh, my poor mother. Her name is Karen. But that's the phrase. I'm not talking about you. It's just a phrase. I'm, I'm not one of these people that just complains, you know, to, to the authorities about things that are beyond their control. But, yeah, so he didn't have to lecture me. It's like, I understand the pilot does not control the weather. Thank you, sir. 
It's a reason why I hate, I'm not going to see you again. You have a nice life. Um, but anyway, yeah, he said eight pushing nine. And I thought, well, that's pretty bad. But then he said that was the worst he's experienced. So why was it an eight? It should have been a 10. His scale was a little messed up. But, you know, I don't know. It wasn't a scientific thing. I was a little shaken up after the whole ordeal. I was like, oh, this is awful. And so I went to the Sky Club. And I tell you what, it could be. It could be 10 o'clock at night. It could be 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It could be 3 o'clock in the morning. The people there, they're going to be boozing. I mean, people are drinking, you know, Bloody Marys, Bloody Marys and mimosas and, and beer and wine. I'm like, my goodness. It's like, it's like well, I don't know, 930 in the morning at this point. I'm like, my goodness, you people. I mean, the airport time is just, you know, it's its own. It's like its own time zone. It's like all time and space goes away. Yeah, just, you know. You want that uh, vodka crayon at 7 in the morning? You got it, baby. Um, so I'm sitting there. I'm looking on the computer. I'm reading. I don't even know what I was reading. Some old articles or something or another. I'm sitting there and I'm a little shaken up. And so I I, I had, I did have a Mick Ultra to calm myself down. You know, take the edge off of what I just went through. And then I might have had another one, you know, to preemptively get ready for the next flight. And, um. But just the two, that was it. And uh, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's free beer. So what's to complain about? You know, very nice at this guy club, I have to say. And yeah, I had some food and I went to my next flight, which was, you know, Atlanta to D.C. And I don't know, I put on the, the Hustler or something on the movies. And then I, I was out. I was out cold. I fell asleep. I, I didn't really sleep much before. It's like when you have an early flight, for some reason, there's just that that I don't know what it is that something inside of you is like, you're going to get no sleep tonight. You're going to get like three hours worth of sleep. Maybe if you're lucky, I think I got two hours and 45 minutes worth of sleep the night before. It's just something in you, you know, it's like, well, do you stay up or do you, you, you know, you go to bed early. I still had to pack cause I procrastinate. And yeah, so I slept on that flight. I got to DC and I, I was there, and the where I was staying, it was lovely. It was one, one metro stop away. One stop away. It took me literally five minutes to get to the neighborhood I was going to. But I tell you what. Now, I'm from South Carolina, right? And we all know I'm, I'm Greek-American. And, you know, I, I've grown up in the South. I have this Mediterranean side, this blood to me, and... um. You know, I don't really do well in the cold. I, I've said before, I don't really like the cold. I think it's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, you got to put on layers and you don't want to go outside and it's just miserable. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'd rather be hot than cold, at least outside. You know, outside I could do, I like the sun coursing through my veins, the vitamin D or C, whatever the hell it is. And I, I like that. But I tell you what, that was the coldest weekend I have ever experienced in my life. And I was there in New York City when they had the big blizzard that they shut down Times Square and the city was shut down and there were no cars. I was there for that. It was in, I think, 2018 or 2019. No, it had to be earlier. I think it was 2017. I don't remember. But I was there for that. But this was the coldest thing I've ever experienced in my life because the wind was whipping around. And I tell you what, I... <laughs> My friends can attest that I was not 
We were outside. I, I looked like I was about to just keel over and die. I mean, I have never experienced such wind chill in my life. <clears throat> that night, it, it the feels like it felt like five degrees, and who knows what with the wind chill. It was the coldest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And the weird thing was is that it was just an anomaly because the weekends around us and my friend Laura, who lives there, she can attest to that because she sent it to us. It was like, oh, the 60s or the 70s and the 50s. And then when I get there, oh, what is it? Five degrees. And well, I tell you, when I first stepped outside and that cold hit me, I said, oh, Lord, oh, this is going to be rough. But, you know, I was there and I was determined to I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to try to complain about the cold. I failed miserably, but I wasn't going to try to complain about the cold. But anyway, so I get there, I drop my bags, and I go straight to the Capitol. And my good friend Alec, my wonderful friend Alec, former, you know, enshrined forever on this glorious podcast, Alec Esteban, he works at the Capitol. And he set me up, and he was going to give me the grand tour. Him and Sarah and another person that he works with, they were going to give me the grand tour of the Capitol. So I went, I met him in the house uh, house office, and I said, I hadn't seen him and since I graduated, and it was so good to see him again. He's, you know, he's a great fellow. I can't say a bad thing about the guy, really, just wonderful fellow. It was good to see him again, and Sarah, too, as well, you know, lovely people, the both of them. And I get in there, and they, they oh, I had to take off my belt and all this and that, and I meet them, and I was so happy, and they, they took me around. They took me all through the Capitol. You know, I got to see. Yeah, the Capitol is quite the, quite the impressive building. You know, it's all that neoclassical stuff, which you know, everybody wants to be Greek. Have you noticed this? Everybody wants to be Greek with the columns and, the, and just the style and the marble, you know, the faux marble or whatever it is. And, you know, everybody wants to be Greek, and I, I, I appreciate that, you know. There's no bitterness here to y'all, you know, copying our style for your governmental buildings. It's you should strive to be, you know, have the Greek architecture and stuff. So, yeah, we go inside and I'm looking around. You know, they have all those statues around. I think it's two from each state. Yeah, so two statues, prominent figures from each state. It doesn't have to be a president. It could be an astronaut or or uh, Helen Keller or whatever it is. And uh, Anyway, we're going through, and I get I get under the dome, right? That big dome, and I mean the echo is just phenomenal. I wanted to go out there and start blasting some Verdi or something, or I don't know what. And I, I mean the the echo was so impressive, and that dome is just huge, man. And I mean it's not like, and you can look, and the scale is just immense, and it's so impressive that they were you know able to do that. I always found domes to be impressive. I don't know why, but domes are impressive to me. You know, I'm a simple man. I like architecture. I like beer. I I like, uh, I'm a simple man. I like warm weather. I like smooth flights. That's really all you can ask for. I like good friends. That's it. That is all you can ask for. Good family, good friends, good times. That's it. And um, yeah, so the capitals, I mean, very impressive. Yeah, all the, I always like all the, the portraits and stuff of the historical whatevers and George Washington and all that stuff. I always like that style. Anywho, so we're going through, we're going through, and they took us on to the, uh, we got to, since Alec works in the house, you know, for a house rep, we got to go on the house floor. I have to say, it's a lot smaller, you know, it looks a lot bigger on CPAC or whatever 
whatever it is and it does it real life and i was like wow this is it they can fit 400 something congressmen in here it's it's pretty amazing it was cool to get to go on there you know not everybody gets to do that so i thank you alec and um yeah, it was great. You know, I I went up there. I was at the podium like I was passing a bill or proposing something. You know, I I motioned to approve a National Manoli Day. And on National Manoli Day, we will broadcast Manoli's musings into every home in America. Um, You know, stuff like that, the important stuff, the stuff that doesn't get done. And we were in there, and I have to say, you know, it's it's interesting. It really doesn't look that big, but it looks huge on TV, and I'm not not quite sure why. And I yeah, you know, the other interesting thing was that there's no assigned seats there. You just go and sit down, and there's the button on the back of the seat. You know, yay, nay, or whatever the hell. I don't know. Some people that I guess they don't vote, but or pass or what? what what's the word? Present, present. That's what it is. When you you want to say I'm not voting on this, but I am voting, but I'm not voting. That's what you do. Yeah, that was cool. So, you know, I got got to act like I was a congressman. I don't want to be a congressman. I think the show would forbid me for being a congressman. They say, look at what he said on Manola's music. He's wacko. He's crazy. Which could be said for some. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. But it was cool to see. How about that? It was good to see, you know, where things are. The room where it happens, if you were, if you will. You know, a little Hamilton reference there for you. Um. So yeah, we went to the Capitol. I met uh met up with Courtney and Laura, and we were going around later that night. And Laura took us to this this bar, and I really haven't been going to much bars lately or dance clubs or whatever, just because uh, yeah, I'm a working man now, and I, I work very hard, and I don't really have all the time to you know be going. You know, when I was in college, I was going out on Mondays and Thursdays, and you know the the odd Tuesday here and there, and Saturday, of course, you have to do that. And Friday, I mean, we were going out two, three, four, sometimes five days a week. It was nuts. So, but dial back. You know, we're we're responsible now. We're we're working hard, and we're we're just you know we're putting the what's the thing with the grindstone? I don't know what it is. It's some phrase of some kind. You know, this is what happens when I try to be eloquent. It just goes to hell. But anyway, you know, I'm, I've been working hard, so I haven't begun as much. So I go into this place, it's called Decades, right? And each floor is a different, you know, uh, the 2010s or the 2020s, which uh, the 2010s and the 2000s and the 90s and the 80s and the whatever. And I, I walk in there, I was like, is it loud in here? Like, and man, I've really been out of practice. I couldn't hear nothing. I was always... I like to talk to people. You know, I'm a conversational fellow. As you can see by the show, I like to speak to people. So when it's so loud that I can't hear anything, it's like, well, to the bar. <laughs> and, you know, you just dance or whatever for, for hours and hours and hours. But I was like, man, oh, I'm dropping things. I'm a disaster. You should see how I talk. I mean, it's really crazy. My arms are going like nutso. I'm leaning in and out of the microphone. It's probably like listening to I don't know what crazy person and I only had one cup of coffee today how about that and this is what I'm like so just just to give you an idea of what I'm like on a daily daily basis um anyway so I'm at this decades and I'm going up and down and up and down and we go to it's like a rooftop and I was like oh that sounds good and then I remember it was you know feels like five it's really negative 
2000 out there and I go out there and I was like, (laughs) it was awful. I, I, you know, I had, I packed a hat, I packed gloves, but for some reason I left them. And so I, I didn't have a hat. I don't think I, I didn't have gloves. I was like, Oh man, it was rough. But, you know, you just go to the bar a couple of times and that kind of fixes that. So <laughs> uh, we had a good time. Let's just we'll leave it at that. We had a good time. We got up the next morning and the next morning was, you know, doing the mall, a national mall, which I, I figured out why they call it that. that. That's where they, you know, you go to the mall to spend money and the mall is where your money goes. But, um, oh, did I make a political statement? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'll have to cut that out. Um, no, I have, you know, I have respect for the procedures, of course. Um, anyway, so we're doing the mall, right? So we get there, and it's the next morning. I'm a little groggy, and I, I <laughs> we start walking, and we're walking by Ford's Theater. I'm like, is there a Starbucks around here? I, I don't know how these, I don't know how my friends do it. They, they, they were going, they have no coffee. I was like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are nuts. I, I have to have my coffee in the morning. Otherwise, it's just, it's bad news. Oh, you don't have your coffee in the morning? Well, that's bad news. Um, So I had to, you know, I'm, I'm never afraid to stop the group, I, I shall say. You know, I try not to be overbearing or overburdening, but sometimes you just need a little, you got to stick up for yourself. You got to say, hey, I'm going to get a black coffee. And, every, and they're like, you don't want a frappa, kappa, whatever the hell, a chino. I'm like, no, I don't like that. I just want black coffee. That's it. They're like, oh, that's such a Manoli thing. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, everything I do is criticized to some degree. No, I'm just kidding. I, I love my friends. You know, they, they make fun of me, but I make fun of them too. But, you know, they mostly make fun of me. But it's all in good fun, right? That's what they want me to think. Um, So we're doing the mall. You know, I saw Ford's Theater. We're... Poor Lincoln got shot, and the, I saw the hospital where he died. Oh, I forgot to mention this. When I was in the Capitol, I saw where Lincoln's desk was, um, which is interesting. I saw the old Senate chambers back in the day, I don't know, you know, 100, 200 years ago, whatever. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting. You know, you see, you see all these famous names, these presidents and stuff. Uh, you saw where Abe Lincoln's desk was, and... and uh, you know, people like that, Abe Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant, all those people. And then I saw the marker for uh, Millard Fillmore. And I was like, oh, my old buddy Millard Fillmore. I don't know a single thing about that guy. I mean, what? I mean, has anybody ever in their life listed Millard Fillmore as their favorite president? I don't know a single thing. I don't know what number he was. I don't know when he lived. I don't know what he did. I don't know what party he was. I mean... This is coming from a guy who did a report one year on Chester A. Arthur. I tried to know about the presidents. I don't know a damn thing about Millard Fillmore. Could you imagine? You know, 200 years ago, that guy was the most powerful man in the world, or at least in the country at that time. I don't know. Maybe America wasn't quite the global superpower it was back then, but he was the most powerful man in the country. And people liked him enough to vote him as the president. And now... It's, I mean, if you pull, I guarantee you, if you pull 10 people off the street and you ask them who Miller Fillmore was, I don't think anybody, any of them would get it. I, I, at least nine out of 10 would say 
I don't know who that is, whether he, he invented the wheel or something. Millard Fillmore, everyone. If you can tell me, I, I challenge you listeners, if you can tell me 10 things about Millard Fillmore, I'll, I'll give you nothing. I'll give you my respect, which is priceless, okay? There's no cash prize, but my respect and my admiration for your knowledge of American history and obscure, obscure figures in American history. So, gosh, I can't talk. I'm stumbling over my words. He's... He's gone off the rails like a madman. Um, Miller Fillmore. I mean, was that on your bingo card that Miller Fillmore was going to come up on this podcast? I guarantee you not. So whatever it is, I'm not endorsing him or whatever it is. You know, they're going to say, oh, he, you know, he was this, this, and this. He was whatever. I don't know a thing about him. I'm just saying, you know, if you know something about him, leave it in the comment section. I'd like to know 10 things about Miller Fillmore. Maybe there's nothing to know. I, I heard a rumor, or maybe it was a joke, or urban legend or something. But, uh, you know, each president has their portrait made, and it's hanging in the National Gallery. Where, where are these things, by the way, the National Gallery? Where is that? It's probably in D.C., Manila. You probably could have gone to see it. That's not the point. You know, they, they say these things, like Fort Knox and the, the Treasury. It's like, where you know, these mystical places and... Uh, Anyway, each president has their portrait in the National Gallery, right? So when Obama became president, I heard a rumor that they actually were out of room, so they <laughs> they took Miller Fillmore's painting out so they make room for Obama, and then they expanded it. But I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a funny story either way, so I figured I'd mention it. I think one of my history teachers told me that. So, yes, so there you go. There's your fun fact about Miller Fillmore that may or may not be true. That's how unmemorable he was, but you know Chester A. Arthur, right? He was just, he, even he was more memorable than Miller Fillmore, which is saying something. I did a report on him. He also was in an opera, The Battle of the Baby Doe. There's another trivia for you, but anyway, I'm, I digress. But anyway, we're doing the Capitol. We're walking around. We're seeing. You know, we walk. Uh, well, we walk down to the White House, and I, you know, you see it from afar. I've I've been inside. You know, when last time I was there, I saw Bo, uh, Obama's dog, which nice dog, and um, and I'm I'm taking my pictures and stuff. And I, I like I said, I like I like the uh, I like to take I like buildings. Okay, I like famous buildings, the White House, the Capitol, you know, Coliseum or the Acropolis or. Oh, goodness, I can't believe I just did that. The Parthenon, not the Acropolis. Uh, the Parthenon and, uh, you know, the Vatican and all that stuff. I, I just, I like buildings. I'm a simple, like I said, I'm a simple man. I like architecture. I mean, is that such a bad thing? Is that a bad thing to like buildings? I like, the, I think the White House is a pretty building. With the fountain and the rolling grounds and whatnot. And the snipers on the roof. It's just a... It warms your heart to see the White House. Um, anyway, but I, I had, you know, I had not realized just how tiny the D.C. area really is because the National Mall, you can walk the whole damn thing. I mean, it's like it's a mile to the Capitol from the monument. And then it's a mile to the Lincoln Memorial. And then Jefferson and the White House are right there, too. So and I always wonder, it's like, why? You know, George Washington, he's the the first president, you know, famous general. You know, every American kid knows who George Washington is, at least, oh, God, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that our education system has not failed us that much. But 
And, you know, I think at least everyone knows who George Washington and Abraham Lincoln was. I think that, you know, that was, I think that was taught. But, you know, you'd be surprised. But anyway, so, yeah, George Washington. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he has his memorial with the statue and the reflecting pool. And Forrest Gump gave the speech there and all that stuff. And well, not just him, but some other important people that actually existed. But, um. Uh, and Jefferson has a memorial, and he has this little, it looks like Monticello, and and then the White House, and the Capitol building, and then right smack dab in the middle is a giant, what's, how do you say that, obelisk? And that's for Washington. It's like, why is, what does that have to do with George Washington? It's a 500 foot tall spire, you know, Egyptian thing. And I'm like, I mean, I like ancient architecture and stuff, and I find it fascinating, but it's like, was that really the best way to memorialize our first president was a giant pointy spear? It's like, a statue or, oh, it's like, you know, Lincoln, you get your statue, and Jefferson, you get your statue, and Everyone else gets a statue, and it's like, hey, Washington, you know what you get? Well, A, we're going to name the city after you, so that's nice. And B, you're going to get this big pointy thing in the sky. It's 500 feet tall, and there you go. And it's an impressive sight. I mean, I walked up there, and it's really cool, you know, touching it and seeing it from the base and looking straight up because it's just sheer rock or whatever it is, granite or sandstone. I don't know what it's made out of. I don't look that far into things usually, but... It's an impressive sight. I just have to wonder. It's like, what did they have to do with George Washington? It just seems like a non sequitur. But you know what? I don't design cities. I'm not a city planner. I don't make monument decisions or whatever it is. So I'm sure there's some conspiracy about it. I don't really care. I don't really want to hear it. I, you know, I used to kind of, I mean, the conspiracy things, it's like, it's interesting to hear about. But at the end of the day, if it's true or not true, what the hell difference does it make? There's nothing we can do here, people. So if you have a conspiracy, that's nice. I don't want to hear it. Unless it's about the Denver International Airport. Now, some things are going on there. <laughs> or Bigfoot. I'll talk about those two. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, which is something I do all the time. Anyway, so, yeah, we see the White House and the, the monument. We didn't walk down the Lincoln. I guess we didn't think it was important enough to walk all the way down there. I mean, it is a mile, but. It's a mile. It's nothing. Anyway, so we're walking, and we go to the Smithsonian, which I think we went to the Natural Natural History Museum, which I was excited about because I they had dinosaurs there, and I, I love dinosaurs. I find them fascinating, and I'm you know I'm like a four year old boy, and dinosaurs excite me, and I find them interesting. So they had dinosaurs there, you know, skeletons and casts of skeletons and all, all that stuff, and I was like, this is awesome. T-Rexes and Stegosaurus and and Brachiosaurus. I mean, this is, I love this stuff. And then, you know what they also had there was mummies. And I find mummies to be fascinating. And it's sad, you know, you look, and that person, that was a person way back when, thousands of years ago. And that, that was a person there that's just, it's a little creepy, I have to say. And the weirdest thing was is that they didn't just mummify the people. They mummified like cats and alligators. And I was like, what the hell is this? They had alligator mummy. <laughs> they had the sarcophagus. Oh, gosh. Sarcophagus. That's how you say it. It was very fascinating. I'm not really sure what that has to do with American natural history. But um, 
you know, I guess uh, I'm just going to blame the British Museum because that's what we do here. Um, yeah, but they had that. They had dinosaurs. They had deep sea creatures of all kinds preserved in jars and stuff, which I find fascinating. All the creepy stuff I like. And um, they had a scorpion, live scorpion, and a tarantula, and a black widow. I've never seen one in real life, so they had a black widow. I got to see that. That was cool. And they had all these, and one of the rooms were all these precious uh, gemstones, you know, the rubies and the emeralds and the diamonds and this and that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never, I never really gotten a good look at, you know, those old necklaces with gigantic emeralds and stuff. And it's like fascinating. I'm like, wow, very interesting. But I had to say, I, I, I thought about taking a nap while I was there, but I, I didn't. I was respectful of the Smithsonian. Get some water there. Excuse me. Um, yeah, and I, I found it interesting. I expected to pay when I went in there, but no, it's all free, which is impressive. Uh, so kudos to keeping that up. Um, anyway, so we leave the Smithsonian and we're walking, we're walking, and we go to this uh, this bar. We sit down for a you know before dinner cocktail. It's, the place is called Urban Roast, and it has like all this. These flowers on the wall, and the wall is made of grass and stuff. It was an interesting place. I quite liked it. I had an espresso martini, which is, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't really order too many cocktails per se. I'm more just kind of, uh, yeah, I'll get a scotch or I'll get a vodka on the rocks or a beer or something. I, I try, or maybe every once in a while, in an old, in old fashioned, particularly smoked or smoked Manhattan, but. I do have to say I like an espresso martini and maybe it's my coffee love or my, you know, coffee and vodka and what's not to like. So, but it's very important to me that it's not too sweet. I don't like sweet things. I've kind of gone over this. So if the espresso martini comes out and it's like light brown, it ain't, it just ain't going to do. So I like it to come out looking like really dark, like almost black. And I have to say, Urban Roast delivered that in spades. They had a great espresso martini. They gave you a lot of it. It was dark. It was not too sweet. Mixed just right. So if you're ever in the D.C. area and you have a hankering for an espresso martini, Urban Roast is your place. There you go. Go there. Learn something. You know, I I, I, I give you so much great advice on this show. I don't follow my own advice, but I give it to people anyway. And... um. Yeah, if you're ever in D.C., you're walking around, you, you know, you're walking through the mall and the Capitol and you're parched and you're looking for a little cocktail, espresso martini and urban roast. I highly recommend it. They had appetizers. I got some hummus. You know, we had some hummus at the table and some other things. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's fun. You, know, you sit down and you're, you know, you're talking nonsense with your buddies. and It's a good time you know, seeing all those people. I hadn't seen them for for a long time, most of them since college, and um, it's good. A little little reunion action. That was just the start of the party, and then we had dinner at this place called the Hamilton, which is the biggest restaurant I've ever seen. I mean, they had the bar area when you walked in. They had one dining room. They had another dining room. They had that upstairs. They had another dining room. They had a downstairs music venue, live music they did there. I mean, this place is ginormous. It's huge. I don't even know what their electric bill must be. It is massive, and it was cold, and it was warm in there. And what did I have? I ordered some uh, some grilled oysters, which I have to say were a little disappointed, mainly because they were cold, which 
I don't like cold food. I don't like cold weather, and I really don't like cold food. But it, maybe not cold. It was more lukewarm. So that was a little disappointing. But I had some nice. Uh, I had some nice drum. You know, I had a fish, a fish, some some drum there. I, well, I forget what they called it. They called it something else. But uh, the point is, is that I had a white flaky fish. I think it was drum, and it was. I have to say, it was lights out. The presentation was good. It was uh it was a lovely dinner. Lovely dinner. So we were talking and all that stuff and <laughs> I go to uh I went to wash my hands and I came back and they said, Oh Manoli, we love you which if you remember we were on the cruise and this was the same people a lot of them that I was on the spring break cruise with uh, last year. That's what I said to the comedian after she was bombing. I said, Well we love you and she yelled at me for it. So uh when I came back, they said, Manoli, we love you. I said, oh, thank you. Good call back there. Anyway, we have our dinner, and then we go, we go, and we go to the casino. The MGM Grand, and across the bridge there in Maryland. And I have to say, it is a lovely, beautiful casino. It is very nice. It's swanky. I walked in, and you know, I'm 1999, so I'm Year of the Rabbit. Not that I care about those things, but... They had the big Year of the Rabbit stuff with the, they had the gigantic rabbit statue that was <clears throat> really quite creepy. And, um, yes, it was Year of the Rabbit. I was like, oh, that's me. I've never identified with a rabbit before in my life. What the hell? What, how am I like a rabbit? I talk fast. I mean, are rabbits fast or are they slow? I, I mean, I, what, what is there to identify with with the rabbit? I mean, one year later, I would have been the dragon. I think that makes more sense. And, but, you know, there, there are worse years. One of the years is year of the rat. And I think there's year of the snake. So, you know, rats and snakes. And I think we owe it to nature to have it as nature intended for the snake to eat the rat. Thank you, Sue Hawk. Uh, Little survivor reference there for you. Uh, anyway, so yeah, <clears throat> you're the rabbit, this and that. And uh, we get there, and as soon as we get there, we split off like a bunch of crazy people because that was, you know, we were all ready to gamble. So some people went to slots, some went to blackjack, some went to wherever, some people went to the bar. So we all dispersed. Uh, we had a big group there, it was about 10, maybe 9, 10, 11 people. Anyway, so I hit the crap stables, right? And I not to brag on myself, not to be a little braggadocious, but I had a pretty, pretty, pretty good night there at the craps table. I, uh, my biggest win in my career, I'm not going to say how much because, you know, I don't want to get any undue attention from, you know, some unsavory figures, but, uh, <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't, it was not life-changing money. I will tell you that much, but it was, it was nice to win for once. Actually, that's, I mean, knock on wood. That is three times in a row that I've won at a casino, which is un unprecedented. Usually I just lose and lose and lose some more and lose very fast. But this, you know, I've kind of tweaked my strategy on the craps table. Not that that means anything because it's all a bunch of nonsense, but I'm going to talk like it does. There's no science to this. It's pseudoscience, but I'm something of a pseudoscientist myself. And um, I've tweaked my strategy a little bit. And I, uh, you know, I just, I, I, First of all, obviously you want to win, but you also want to play. I don't want to just go out there and start throwing things out there and, you know, you, you lose and then that's it. You know, I was there. I had been waiting a long time to play. 
I was like, all right, let's, let's see how we do here. So I was there and then, you know, however long I was playing. And then I, I'm like, all right, well, see y'all later. I'm cashing out and I'm out of here. Not like this next guy I'm going to talk about because I was standing in line, you know, nicely. I, I had my, I, I was holding all to my chips in my pocket because ain't nobody was going to reach in my pocket and start taking anything. But I, uh, anyway, I'm sitting there with my hands in my pocket. Like, uh, it was hot in there, but I had them in there anyway. And I hear some hollering and yelling. And, and I was like, well, what in the world? What is going on over there? And there's some guy and he's, I don't know what happened, what he was upset about. I guess he lost and, uh, or he felt cheated somehow, and he's, I mean, he is just yelling, screaming, getting in people's faces, cursing like a sailor. I mean, it was just, you know, what does that do? What does that do? You're yelling, you're getting in people's faces. You, I mean, his own people he was doing that to. They were trying to calm him down. He's like, they're hiring that for down. I can't even understand what he's saying. He's screaming, yelling at the people in the cage. And there's like, I'm looking and there's this guy's yelling and, you know, squaring up to people. And I'm like, hello. There's like, it's like, I mean, literally there was like maybe, I want to say eight to 10 to maybe even 11 or 12 security people around them in the yellow shirts, you know, the security personnel. And this guy's yelling. And I just wanted to say, get him out, get him out, out. You can't have that. I mean, you don't know what people are going to do. People are nuts. Have you noticed? I don't watch the news, but somehow it always finds its way to me. And I can tell you that right now, that if somebody's screaming, hollering, and you know, going off like a madman, you get them out of there. I mean, have you seen Casino with Robert De Niro? You know what happens in the back. Take him to the back. I'm serious. When somebody, you know, you you can't you can't tolerate that stuff. You just let them go on and on and on. You say, let's talk about this in the back, and that's when you know you. You throw them out onto the street, but <laughs> or you put them in a holding cell. But I'm like, oh my goodness! And we, I mean, we're all just staring there, you know, standing there because we're, you know, we have we're a captive audience because we're waiting for so long. And this guy's going off screaming about I don't even know what, cursing f you and f this place. And I mean, just come on, man! And they're just letting it happen. I'm like, get them out of here. Take them to the back. You know, I'm not saying, you know, don't do not do anything crazy. You know, this, this ain't the Wild West out here, but get him out of sight. I mean, my goodness, we're, ha- we're trying to have a good time. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's acting like that, I mean, they're, they're dangerous. You know, people, you can't, you can't take any chances nowadays with people. You don't know what they're going to do. So I, I was like, I was just waiting for them to get him out of there. And I get called to the cage and. This guy, I hear screaming, hollering, all kinds of chaos behind me. And I look at the the lady working the cage. I'm like, lovely evening, ain't it? <laughs> and I cash out. And I, I walk by. And I, I'm like, the people in line, I'm like, what a beautiful night. Beautiful night. And this guy's screaming bloody murder about who knows what unintelligible nonsense. And I go and I, <laughs> I walked around. I was looking for my friends. And I circled back and. He was gone. I don't know what they did with him, but I think maybe he got a little too physical and they, they probably carted him out of there. And Well, good riddance is all I have to say. You know, I hope, hope, uh, hope, hope it was nothing serious, but 
anyway, I'm going there and yeah, I wasn't going to play a game just because I had won. I, you know, isn't it the song? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away. I walked away. And yeah, I, I didn't, you know, if I'm going to play, I usually play craps. Slots, I just, I've never been a big fan of. And blackjack, it's like, oh my gosh, so many rules and things you have to do. And if you don't do it right, people look at you because you're stealing their cards or messing up the deck. It's like, I don't want to study to go gamble. I want to go, you know, sip on a, a scotch or something and, you know, throw some dice around. That's really all I want to do. It's like, you have to study that card or the strategy. It's like, I know I can memorize it. I just don't want to. It's too much work. That's a frustrating game because you can have you can have such a good hand and then the dealer it's either a push or he just gets you. And I mean, craps could, anything can be frustrating when you're losing. But you know, a wise man once said, you know, losing's second only to winning. But yeah, I mean, blackjack's fine every once in a while. And then roulette, I've never quite liked just because I don't like seeing the odds right in front of me, all the numbers on the wheel. It's like I don't like to see what I'm, you know, how little chance I have. It's like. I'd rather it be a you know pseudo mystery. So there's my philosophy. It doesn't make much sense. You know, nothing I really say makes a whole lot of sense. But it kind of does if you look at it from the angle of you kind of squint at it a little bit and cock your head to the side. It's like I can kind of see where you're coming from there, Manoli. But you know, it makes sense to me and my my warped brain. But anyway, so we have a good time. You know, other people were playing. Some people won. Some people. Tried to win, and uh, yeah, we had a great time. I mean, I I was content. I was with my friends. We were laughing, you know, walking around, you know, gambling together, and you know, having a good time. It was such a great time. It was a great trip. It really was, you know, from the mall to the Capitol, the going out and the gambling and the the dinner, and it was it was a really nice time. Really nice time with those people, you know, Alec and Courtney and Laura and Sarah and everyone else who was involved and it was nice it was a really nice cap to end the trip it was quite the trip i had a really nice time but anyway so i went to the airport i said i said my goodbyes i said it was good to see y'all had a good time and blah 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 and you know see you never and all that stuff you know i was, I was like yeah hey, you know what you guys i think i've had enough of you you just delete my phone number and uh it was it was nice knowing you it's nice knowing you. you know me with my humor i always like to I like to go people a little bit, you know. Kind of toss out little insults here and there. It's it's all in good fun. I if I, I only mess with people I like, so if I don't mess with you, well, you know where you stand. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Unless you're uh, unless you're some people that I know listen to this show, and uh, well, I do mess with you, but they ain't because I like you. How about that? Um, I'm kidding. I, like I said, I love every anybody who listens to this show. You're the most beautiful audience, the most beautiful people, most intelligent, smart, stylish, lovely people in the world. Because you listen to me go on and on about nothing. Not really nothing, but mostly nothing. And uh, anyway, so I get to the airport and I, I hang out at the Sky, Sky Lounge, but Sky Club, excuse me. And... Uh, yeah, I get back on the plane. I slept. I slept, and I'm sleeping there. And there's a guy in front of me on the plane, and he's he's in the aisle. He's across the aisle, one row above, or one row ahead. 
Anyway, so I'm like groggy. I'm like kind of sitting there sleepy, half asleep or, you know, eating my sun chips or whatever they give you. I mean, you can't even buy the packets of sun chips that they give you. They're so damn small. It's like a, it's like a quarter of a regular pack of sun chips. It's like, I like sun chips. I, it's hard to find sun chips. Give me some damn sun chips. I always ask for two. And, you know, I sweet talk to the flight attendants. I'm like, excuse me, is it all right if I have another bag of sun chips? And they're like, oh, sure thing. Sure thing, honey. And here, you can have another bag on top of that. I'm like, whoa, that's very nice. I always ask for two of everything. The sun chips, sometimes I get three, four bags of those just because I'm, you know, my charm and personality here. So I'm always sweet. I always like to... I always like this. I put on. I put on my accent even thicker. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. There, uh, is it all right if I have a, another bag of sun chips? You know, you, you say it in a southern accent and it gets a little sweeter. You know, everything. I can kind of turn it on and off. I feel like I accented a little bit for the show just because. Uh, I don't know. I find it fun, but you know, I can I can talk mostly normally. It, it really isn't a problem for me. You know, my. My mother had an accent growing up in the the country of South Carolina. My father has no accent, so <clears throat> I really grow up with. I mean, like I said, it kind of goes and comes. But when I'm on the plane and I'm trying to get some extra stuff, you better believe I'm laying on that accent thick. I say, "Excuse me, is it all right if I get another bag of sun chips or another Coke Zero? I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much." And they're like, "Oh, sure." Yeah, I'm very, I'm very good at uh, charming flight attendants. What can I say? Um, anyway, I, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm nibbling on my sun chips, trying to make them last because they only give you maybe, you know, twelve in a bag. And um, this guy ahead of me, he keeps getting up and down. Every time he gets up, his freaking sweatpants go down, and he moons the whole back half of the plane. I'm like, oh my goodness! I know I just didn't see that. I don't know what he's doing. He's getting up and going down, going to the bathroom. Every time he got up, the whole, it was a full moon on the plane. I'm like, dude, how many times? I mean, it's like, and it's not like he didn't notice. He was just walking around with his ass hanging out. It's like, excuse me, sir. If you know your ass is hanging out whenever you, every time you stand up, you know, your sweat, A, your sweatpants are too big and B, hold them next time. <clears throat> don't just get up and down. I mean, I mean, that is way too much I wanted to see of anybody on that plane. I mean, just, dude, what the hell is going on? What is going on in this country? I can't even eat sun chips and sip on a damn Coke Zero in peace. I got some guy's asses hanging out. It's disgusting. It's like, it's like, what happened to just, where is the shame? Where is the shame? It's like if if I stood up and my ass was hanging out, I would be sure to cover it up ASAP. But no, this guy was up and down, and it was a full moon. I mean, it's like uh, I didn't really want any more sun chips after that. I kind of lost my appetite. But it's like, what is going on with the planes? You got people in pajamas. And it's like, like I said, I mean, I'm not saying we have to wear, you know, tuxedos on the planes. But my point is, it's like, kids, can there be a happy medium? I'm not saying, you know, Dress up like you're on the Concord in the 70s. I'm not saying that at all. A nice balance between, you know, the suit thing on a plane and your ass hanging out. That's really all I I think should happen. I mean, obviously you can't have a dress code on an airplane because it's just a form of transportation. But it's like, it's not even funny. I mean, it is funny. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. But it's like, you know, just a little, a little bit of thought. 
at least if you're going to wear sweatpants and you know that when you stand up, because I understand it's awkward in the plane, you don't have that much room, so you you have to like stand up awkwardly and the, the seat's like rubbing on your pants, so it probably pulls it down, but it's like, hold your damn pants next time, man. It's like, come on. Let me help you out. If you're listening to this show, I wish you the best. I mean, I am sure we have all accidentally moved someone, but I, what am I saying? I, I've never accidentally moved someone. I don't think I've ever moved someone on purpose. But you know what? If 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 you do it one time, the next time just uh, hold your pants there, buddy. Okay, that's really it. That's it. Okay, that that was the last thing I had to say. It was bookended by a flight from hell, and it was ended by a less you know a, a flight for one of the upper circles of hell. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it was just. I always find travel travel to be quite the experience. The you know just American airports and what goes on in them is just fascinating to me and airplanes and stuff. But you know, it ain't about the journey; it's about the destination, right? According to some people, I, I think I'm one of those people. You know, it's just you know the plane is one thing. You get there how you get there, or whatever it is. But the trip was what it was. You know, seeing all the history and the capital and, you know, winning some money and having some good times, some laughs, some drinks, some food, some fun. That's really it. We want, we like to have fun here. We like to have fun. I like to see my friends. I like to go out with them and I haven't seen them all in a while. So yeah, like I said, it was good to see you all again. If you're listening, I had a great time and uh, Alec, uh, thanks for the tour. And as for the rest of you, I don't really know what to say to you, but no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Thank you for the time. It was a great time. Um, yeah, thank you for listening, you know. Thank you for listening to my nonsense and my pontificating you know, to my friends there. But, you know, I like to give them shout-outs when I can. You know, they they put up with me, so I kind of have to throw them a bone every now and then. But, you know, the real the real friendship is between me and you. And just you, whoever's listening. It's just, it, I'm speaking directly to you. This is not in the original cut of the show. I'm speaking directly to you. It's a special edition released just for you. Whoever's listening, you know, whatever... Lovely listener we have here. So I got to go to bed. Um, and I'll see you soon, okay? Hopefully. You know, hopefully I can get back to you soon. Uh, thanks again for one year of great Manoli's musings. And thanks for sticking with me and listening. And for the people we lost along the way, well, you're going to come back. I know you will. All right. That's it. Thank you. <laughs>